Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You're listening to my friend, Ash Roy. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals. Head over to ProductiveInsights.com for over a hundred free tips, articles, videos, and podcasts that help increase your productivity and maximize your profits to fund the perfect lifestyle. Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome one of the most prolific content marketers out there, and that is Chris Garrett. Chris has a long history with Copyblogger and has mentored some of the biggest bloggers in the world, including John Morrow, who I featured earlier on in this podcast series. He's also worked closely with Darren Rouse, and in one of the Copyblogger Authority webinars, I remember him being described by Sonia Simone, who's one of the founders of Copyblogger, as one of the hardest working people she knows. Chris was born in Canada. He grew up in the UK and now he lives in Alberta, Canada, where he teaches content marketing at a university. How did I do, Chris? That was a great, great introduction. I'm blushing now. (laughs) (laughs) What university do you teach at, Chris? I teach at the Mount Royal University here in Calgary. So it's uh, really nice to be able to do that. I'm standing in for Ernest Babaric, who's a lovely guy, and he couldn't do it anymore. He's just had a baby. He asked me to step in, and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, great. That's cool. And content marketing is such an interesting topic to me because I've been an authority member on Copyblogger for about two and a half years now. And honestly, it's been one of the best investments that I've made. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you about this topic. Chris, let's start by talking about what we mean when we say content marketing. The funny thing with the phrase content marketing is a lot of us were doing it before it became called content marketing. If you imagine like the overlapping Venn diagram illustrations, there's a few things that go into content marketing that are called different things, but they all add up to what we know as content marketing. So it could be what we used to call corporate blogging or business blogging. Mm -hmm. Inbound marketing has been done for years and years and years, even before we had this phrase, right? So if you think about Procter & Gamble's would sponsor TV shows and radio shows. So, you know, that was the soap opera and we would have recipes in store magazines. So that was an article, a serving suggestion, obviously got you to consume more of those ingredients, but also it was a reason to pick up the magazine, which would advertise to you. Mm-hmm. So content marketing is anywhere you're using content to attract customers and prospects or retain the interest of customers and prospects. Mm-hmm. And we usually use content marketing in an online sense to be the attraction and retention and conversion of prospects and customers. But content marketing really could be being useful, you know, not being sales first. Mm-hmm. It's a very good point you touched on about being useful. I think that for me, content marketing is very much about adding value and doing that through storytelling, which I believe is hardwired into us humans. I believe yeah. storytelling is a really big part of it. Definitely. And Sonia, who you mentioned earlier, she says it's marketing you don't want to throw away. And that's a really good way of looking Beautifully at it. put. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about how content marketing has transformed a business. You touched on it a little bit when you talked about Procter & Gamble, but any other stories you can tell us about how a business has used content marketing? 
I'm struggling to come up with a case study that you probably haven't heard before because you're a member of our community. So that's the tricky part. I'll give you an anti-case study, if you like, first, which is Mm -hmm. a good example of a company who is struggling in the day and age of content marketing and social media, Mm -hmm. I think, is Mm Coca-Cola. In the days of top-down advertising, interruption advertising, they could just buy TV, radio, magazine advertising and just get in front of everybody they needed to. Mm-hmm. And they could direct the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think companies such as Coca-Cola, McDonald's, those kinds of companies are going to struggle increasingly because there's so much information out there. Mm-hmm. And not all of it is positive for these companies. Mm-hmm. If you think about Coca-Cola as being you know, the ingredients and the high fructose corn syrup, they're not really trendy ingredients right they're not Mm -hmm. things that we're encouraging each other to consume Mm -hmm. and yet their entire business is based on us consuming greater and greater quantities of these ingredients great point and you know you add to the fact water scarcity in a lot of places in the world it's not a fun time to be in one of those businesses At the same time, we've got all this information about how to have a lot more healthy lifestyle and how to consume better ingredients and how we should be preparing our food. So you've got this weight of content on the positive. You've got the weight of content and argument and discussion on the negative. You've got all this social proof against it. You know, you've got parents who will openly criticize you if they see your kid drinking from a Coke bottle. Mm -hmm. And how do they combat that? They haven't got the traditional tools. So they are turning to content marketing and they're actually doing quite well. And McDonald's is a good example of a company who's saying, actually, we're not as unhealthy as you think. And, you know, Mm -hmm. our ingredients aren't as bad. But that whole sector of previously dominant companies, I think we should all look at those very carefully and see what they're doing, see how they're combating these negative effects, how society's moved. Now, on a positive, I did mention to you that I'm struggling to think of unique case studies, but a very good case study, which you will have heard before, is Marcus Sheridan's swimming pool company. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have heard of him. Mm-hmm. His company was struggling. There was the decline in sales that was going to basically put him out of business. And they decided to go from having a very thin website, very thin web presence, to going all in on the web and answer every question a prospect or customer had ever asked them, even to the point of practically sending people to competitors, being completely transparent, and it turned their company around. Hmm. And there's a couple of good reasons for this. One, all that content out there, each piece of content was a salesperson out on the web working 24-7 for their company, getting them attention, Mm -hmm. search traffic, shares. You know, all of those pieces of content, all of those pages were another opportunity for somebody to find them. But then when you look at the competitors, Mm. they weren't as transparent and open about their pricing, about their product, about how it worked. Mm -hmm. So all of these questions, who are you going to trust more? Are you going to trust the person who says, no, you have to pick up the telephone so I can close the deal? Or are you going to trust the person who's got it all out there in the open so that they can't go back on you? Absolutely. And something McDonald's, I think, has done really well is nowadays when I go into a McDonald's, I notice that they have these calorie charts and they're being as transparent as they can about how much each of their products carries in terms of calories. They also have got the fruits up there and they've got water there rather than just Coke. And so they're very smartly trying to move away from the high fructose content products. 
And if you don't share that information, people think, what have you got to hide? Why don't you know? Yes, and that's another great point, isn't it? Content marketing allows you to have this open and honest conversation with your customer. If you don't have that open and honest conversation, you're pretty much at a disadvantage today. Yeah, we have gone from a place where you could control the conversation to the conversation happening with or without you. And so it's really difficult for people who grew up in this madmen sort of era where mm. you would put a message out and it would be consumed and mm. the cash would roll in. Super Bowl ads, the return on investment on Super Bowl ads must be at an all-time low. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just too old school. Very little reason to take action because of that kind of marketing. Mm. Content marketing is an answer to a question. So the people who are going to convert from your content have self-identified that they've got a need. They've been looking for a solution. That's so much nicer than a salesperson calling you up and trying to beat you over the head until you say, okay, leave me alone, where do I sign? Right, and that's part of the reason why viral marketing YouTube has just taken off and why Super Bowl ads are just relegating into the background because it's no longer a top-down conversation that is directed by the manufacturer or the seller of the product. It is now a two-way conversation and a lot of it is a pull conversation which is initiated by the customer. Exactly. And it may be initiated by a referral from a friend and that has extra weight because we all appreciate advice from our friends especially when it's a product or service recommendation. So these channels are now becoming person-to-person rather than business-to-consumer, and that's changed the whole landscape. That's a brilliant way to put it, Chris, person-to-person rather than business-to-consumer. I couldn't have put it better myself. This is a great segue. Let's talk a bit about how content marketing applies to businesses looking to leverage the online channel. We've already touched on it in bits and pieces. We talked about YouTube. We talked about viral content. Let's talk a little bit more about how Copyblogger and particularly Copyblogger Authority does that so fantastically well. Well, the funny thing people don't believe about Copyblogger, which is absolutely true, is Copyblogger has never had full advertising campaigns. I think the amount of money Brian spent on advertising is probably less than Brian Garner spends on Starbucks in a month. (laughs) We've got like no outside investors because we're competing against these venture capital funded companies. Mm-hmm. We don't have a sales team. So it's an eight-figure business that was entirely bootstrapped, entirely built from content marketing. The only advertising we do is so that we can teach that as a skill. Right? Mm-hmm. We'll do an experiment with it, and it'll be a case study. It'll be a lesson. It'll not be, you know, the business is grown and built with content marketing. You will see the occasional ad, and I would really love it if people tell me if they spot one out there, because Jess and Tony are are mad scientists. They will experiment. (laughs) But the amount of money put behind it is pathetically small. (laughs) So every dollar of that eight-figure business has come from content marketing, and it's all permission-based. It's not outbound marketing we're not pushing our message on people it's actually you will get our messages by either coming to our site or especially if you opt into a list and showing interest so we're not interrupting your day yeah so i think that's that really turns things around yeah and i think there's an excellent 
free course that you can do when you sign up with Copyblogger and that's what got me to become an authority member because I got so much value out of the free course that I decided that the authority membership would be worthwhile. And I have been using the webinars, many of which you're a host on. They really have great value. I feel that it's a little bit like the product is good enough quality for me to want to share it with other people. I'm, in fact, I'm doing that right now in this conversation and I'm, <laughs> I have nothing to gain out of it. But I have found the content compelling and value adding enough for me to want to talk about it. And that is exactly how content marketing works. So Copyblogger is walking the talk. Yeah, and one of the things that most people don't really anticipate or realize until it's happened is that free course allows you to see a teaser of all the paid stuff. So we're not really pitching authority to people on a regular basis because if you sign up and you get the free ebooks and then you start clicking around, hmm. a lot of the time you'll get a little box that says, sorry, you need to upgrade before you can see this full content, but you see enough of it to know that it's interesting. Hmm. So there's subtle nudges rather than, you know, as I said before, being beaten over the head by sales <laughs> messages all the time. Which is a far nicer and more respectful way to communicate with your buyer. <laughs> yeah. And it, from us trying, going from a simple newsletter autoresponder to the free content library, it was a 400% increase in conversions. We didn't have pop-ups. We didn't have anything annoying. We just went from saying, instead of signing up to this list, register for this free content library. Here's what you're going to get. And it was 400% increase in conversions on what was already successfully growing the business. So it wasn't like we had this really bad limping along list. We had a really well-converting list, and it was a 400% increase. Right. So that free content library concept worked so well that you know now we've got one on newrainmaker.com and you know we've used it so a few times since you're doing different forms of content marketing now i also listen to the lead which is your podcast and in fact yeah. just earlier this morning i was listening to jared morris talk to dan pink about sales and dan pink actually says everything good in life begins with a conversation which i really liked in fact i wanted to quote that in this interview <laughs> which i have done yeah. now and i see that copyblogger has got a good quality podcast which is the lead and you've got your webinars which is something that is part of the paid subscription and then you've got your free content which is through your blog posts we're actually doubling down on the podcasting and you're going to see a few of us putting our own podcasts out so it there's going to be obviously the lead and there's going to be the new Rainmaker podcast, which is Robert and Brian Clark. Mm -hmm. But a few more of us are going to be putting podcasts out. It's a big experiment. I don't really like hearing my own voice. <laughs> so I don't know how, you know, how well it'll do. But we're really trying to reach as many people with as much value as we can in the hope that people then appreciate that and follow us back and get to know us a bit more. So hearing our voice will more directly lead to wanting to hear us on webinars. That's the anticipation. Yeah, Chris, look, I think your voice sounds pretty good to me, mate. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have... <laughs> not all of it, not everybody anymore. can understand my accent. That's the problem. Oh, I, I can understand you perfectly. Maybe it's because I lived in England for a couple of years. 
the other thing that's really, really good about podcasting is that people are listening to it at the gym, they're listening to it while driving. And in fact, Tim Ferriss was interviewed by John Lee Dumas on Podcasters Paradise not long ago. And he actually says that despite having been as prolific an authority as he has been, a lot of people are only discovering him even now through his podcast rather than any other form of content. It makes a lot of sense to have a podcast, which is why I kicked off my podcast. Something I was going to talk about is why business owners should see content marketing as a critical business tool. But I think we've really made a very strong case for it already. I think one thing I would say is Mm -hmm. even if you don't try it, one of your competitors will do it and they'll achieve results that mean that you wish you had. (laughs) So you might not be thinking it's a good idea now, but once you see a competition doing it, you will wish you had earlier. Exactly. It's a little bit like having a website, isn't it? Maybe 10 years ago, people may have thought having a website was something that was optional. But now if you don't have one, you are at a massive disadvantage. And I believe the same goes with podcasting and content marketing. Yeah, the thing is, like I said before, content is an answer to a question. And that question could be critical to them making the decision to purchase. It could be an objection. So there's positive and negative reasons to be looking for that information. Mm -hmm. So the obvious questions are how much is it going to cost? How long will it take? All of those things. Things that people increasingly don't want to talk to a salesperson for because they know they're going to be sold to. Mm -hmm. They want to be in a less confrontational environment. How many people make a sales decision now without doing some research, especially if you're going to buy a house or a car, something so important and expensive? Hmm. You don't turn up and then start doing your research. You turn up practically decided. Hmm. And then the salesperson basically does the transaction. And with the objections, you could be losing sales right now because somebody has an objection that they haven't got an answer for and that has turned them away. I think Google calls it moments of truth. Yeah, and really sales copywriting comes down to getting somebody to make a yes-no decision Mm. because ambivalence or confusion or that I will think about it is the end of your sale. Mm. It's either got to be a yes or a no. Mm. So you need to arm them with that information. And if you're withholding information or if you don't think the effort is worth it, you know, the biggest objection against doing content marketing is, but it's so much work, takes so much effort. I don't want to be in the spotlight. You don't have to do a video or radio show, Mm. but you will have to create some content. You need to help people. And if you need to get help from a consultant, a writer, content creator, designer, do it because your competitors have that content, you don't. Mm, Yes, absolutely. That actually touches on the very next point, which is overcoming objections. Why would someone not want to implement content marketing in a business? And what typically stops someone from getting started with content marketing? A lot of people think that it might be too hard or it's too time consuming. How does a person get started? How does a person overcome that initial inertia with getting started with content marketing? Yeah, the the main thing is to decide who in your business is going to do it and then do it incrementally. Don't make a big promise. Don't say, I'm going to write four articles a day for forever. So you might not want to start a blog because that's a promise, because that's a promise of future content. Instead, just put an article, uh, some pages, just start adding content to your existing website, however you can do it, wherever you can do it. And don't expect it to be perfect. Just incrementally add, incrementally improve. Mm-hmm. Small steps. 
because if you tell people you're going to be publishing on a schedule, either explicitly or implicitly, or if you tell people that something is going to be a certain level of quality or scale or quantity, then you're setting yourself up for potential failure and you add into your own procrastination because you're creating resistance. That's a fantastic point. The point about getting started, you know, in an incremental fashion, it's sort of like the Japanese Kaizen approach. And I remember Sonia Simone saying in one of the copy blogger seminars that, you know, she has written every day for something like 20 years. She says, just make a commitment to just write one sentence. Don't try and write 400 words, 1000 words, just write one sentence. And if you feel that you want to write more at the end of that, great, and you usually do. But don't commit to something that you can't definitely deliver on. And one sentence is a very small thing to commit to, but it creates that habit, which is, I think, what you're saying. Is that right? Yes. So you can either do a small part, break down the big, scary task into tiny pieces and do a tiny piece. And that momentum often carries you forward. It's like you break the seal. Or you can make a commitment to somebody who you don't want to let down, not necessarily public or you know a customer even. But if you've got some sort of accountability partner, say, I'm going to do this manageable amount of effort by this date and time. And a combination of the things often works very well, but see what works for you. But it doesn't have to take over your life. You don't have to have a full-time employee. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just mm-hmm. on Monday, come up with some headline items ideas and some article ideas it could be just answering questions that you've already got in your email inbox that you know you've sent out to customers before Mm -hmm. on tuesday turn that into an outline you know choose the most important or the best idea turn that into an outline wednesday flesh out the outline thursday edit it up friday post it and promote it so that's 30 minutes a day okay you know who can't find 30 minutes a day That's exactly right. And it's very much like building a house in small increments. And as you add one brick at a time, you start to see a structure come into place. And that itself encourages you. I had an interview with Neil Patel that had been sitting on my computer for a year and I was scared to publish it because I didn't have enough interviewees, didn't have enough guests. Take that first step. And literally, as soon as I did that, I remembered that I had an interview that John Morrow had agreed to do with me. You were kind enough to come on. So that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Once you have something in place, you feel more motivated, you have that momentum, and then you want to build on it. Before you know it, your house is built. Exactly. And you'll start getting some feedback, uh, hopefully, initially positive feedback. (laughs) You'll get some customers and you'll, you'll see the rewards. Yeah. Another really important point about content marketing is how it establishes authority, which is why Copyblogger sells their authority membership. Content marketing puts you in a position of authority which builds the know, like, and trust relationship with your audience. Yeah, increasingly we're looking at attracting people who will grow to know, like, and trust us. But we're seeing beyond that it being a vital part of how we select service providers. And if you think about like a realtor, you don't just want a realtor with expertise. Mm -hmm. You want somebody that you can stand to be around for (laughs) possibly a considerable amount of time. You know, personal fitness trainers. Mm. Again, it's quite an intimate thing when you think about it. Mm. Counselors and coaches and anybody that's going to be in your house. Trust Mm. isn't just a nice to have. And 
you know, no like and trust. It's not just something that, okay, I'll tip the balance. It's now becoming something that we're looking to as a vital aspect of the service delivery. So if you can get across your personality and your expertise, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just what I can do for you. It's how I do it, how I approach it, how it makes you feel. Then you're going to succeed where others are failing because they're not putting themselves out there. So that's an obvious reason why somebody might not want to do that. But the more you can do it, the more successful you'll be. Right. Chris, you know, I can see why you're a professor in content marketing, because you've made some really subtle but important points. You've talked about how content marketing is a person-to-person conversation rather than a company-to-a-customer conversation, which is how it used to be. You've talked about developing relationships with service providers that are viable, about not making a big promise to yourself, but just creating content incrementally. In fact, that's the best action that a listener can take if they want to get started with content marketing, and that is start small, make a commitment to something small every day, and just keep at it. Yeah, just mine your customer questions. If you don't have customers already, mine social media and the community forums out there. Find out what's keeping people up at night and just start writing about it. Write your solutions. Right, to solve a problem with your content. Exactly. Okay, well, Chris, that brings us to the end of the interview. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Head over to ProductiveInsights.com for over 100 free tips, articles, videos and podcasts that help increase your productivity and maximize your profits to fund the perfect lifestyle. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You're listening to my friend Ash Roy. 